for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. For those just starting out elk hunting, it can all be so overwhelming. Add in all the hype and advertisements and social media, and it's so easy to get caught up, confused, or have to spend years trying to wade through it all. On today's show, we're joined at Elk Camp by the one and only Guy Duplanchet of the Western Contours podcast adding his unique perspective as we talk about how those new to elk hunting can avoid getting overwhelmed or falling victim or even becoming misinformed. We also have a very honest discussion about defining success. Whoo buddy, y'all put your boots on cause it's gonna get deep. That discussion with some Elk Bros shout outs and great questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. How's it going there, Elk Bros? This is Tim Cordova coming to you straight from the job site. A true Blue Collar Elk Hunter here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of Pikes Peak, America's Mountain. Also home to all those damn elusive elk that keep getting away from me every year. But I'll tell you what, this year, with the help of the Elk Bros, they're in trouble. See you in them woods, boys. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Tim. Way to kick off our show there, buddy. 
Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, your host of your show, and as usual, all the bros are in the house. The Venezuelan Mafia is in the house. Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterón and your elk hunting coaches. That's right. We got the Leroy Chavez Chavez in the house and Joe Gillia out of Cimarron, New Mexico. And tonight, pulling up a chair and joining us here at Elk Camp, he's that voice, the Mac Daddy of the mic, with the raspy, deep voice of a monarch herd bull, the man behind the voice of the incredible Western Contours podcast, the gear junkie, archery slash hunter extraordinaire, and promoter of the hunter lifestyle, our friend and brother, Mr. Guy Duplanchet. What's happening, boys? Welcome, boy. How we doing, gents? Welcome. I appreciate nice. the time, man. This is awesome. I'm, I'm, oh, man, so cool to have you, brother. I'm not watching or listening. I'm I'm sitting right here live with you guys, man. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. joined in the circle, man. Guy, uh, it uh, it's so funny. I mean, you say you're not watching or listening. I was just listening to you, you know, on a two-hour drive earlier today. <laughs> That's and, awesome, man. And you don't know this, but um when we started this whole podcast thing uh had no idea when we first came into this i think it's it's a little over two years now that we started this yes, podcast sir. and so i was like i'm gonna go out and listen to some of these podcasts and find out you know what this is like and start looking for those people that are really doing it and find out what the formulas are for success. Cause I'm one of those people that if you want to be good at something, you find people that are good at it, man, and learn, follow, listen, those things. Yeah, that's why Manano sticks with me all the time. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. started and, already. God. Already. I, I love it. And the very first podcast that I listened to. And the one that I targeted was this podcast called Western contours. Oh man. No way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you started that podcast, not too much longer before we did. I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, as soon as I heard the voice, yeah <laughs> yeah did i swoon you your podcast going i uh i started i started recording the end of 2018 dropped the first episode january 1st 2019 so i'm in my and, third year and what year. inspired you to do it man just just wanting to hear the everyday stories right yeah the gilbert ornelis's the, the chavs <laughs> the the vm guys i wanted to hear the everyday stories i love hearing like those you know the big names the the big league hitters if you will sure but you miss you miss something with yep. that right and and it was just like how do i do this how do i get those stories that you get around the campfire at the archery shop as a you know average joe blow guy that doesn't have access found the hot button guy <laughs> truth hurts or something there i don't know <laughs> so i mean that was that, that's all right man that was uh that was really what, you know, what spurred it. Um, and man, just, you know, you go to the archery shop or somewhere, you're at the range and you start talking, you stand there for three hours 
and you shot two arrows because you're just sitting there shooting the S about, you know, about hunting, man. And, and sure. I, I don't know that it's that it gets better than that, you know, and then you start meeting people and the values in the hunting community. Mm-hmm. Um, it man, it just it's almost overwhelming, right? All the good that hunting does and, and, and the lifestyle. So, I mean, that's, you know, my long winded version of what you probably were looking for in a nutshell. <laughs> no, and I, and I, I love that answer. I mean, Joe, Joe and I, you know, we hunting is our passion. Elk hunting especially is our passion. And, you know, Joe taught whole, or he, he's Joe's an incredible coach. I've had him as my coach for a long time, him and Chad, but, um, as a profession, that's what they did. They were, you know, track coaches and teachers uh, of people. And I've always wanted to make a living doing what I love because it would never feel like a job. You know? mm-hmm. And Joe and I talked a couple years back and we're like, Joe's like, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I'm like, Joe, they pay me to talk, you know, <laughs> talk. I could talk leg off a wooden Indian, you know? So absolutely brother. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you want to do a podcast. Okay, cool. I, I got no problem acting a fool or, you know, having fun. I mean, this is something that's fun for us mm-hmm. and we get to talk to guys like you and, you know, uh, I mean, all, all of the hunting community is kind of, man, we're small potatoes, man. Like you said, we're no major league hitters. We're no Mike Waddell, you know, Bill Jordan. I mean, we're, none of those guys but at the end of the day we're we're passionate about what we do just like those guys are and and those guys have paved the way for guys like us to do what we're doing you know Mm -hmm. i mean we're not reinventing the wheel here we're just bringing blue collar guys into the middle of this deal and and trying to help them get started because look man our sport's expensive you know it it costs a lot of money to do what we do and some guys you know are, are come from real meager means and stuff and we try to help them get get things started off you know yeah that barrier of entry is one of the things that uh that i think you guys hit really well on right it's just that that you know the blue collar aspect of it and that's kind of what draws me to you know being a fan of the podcast and you we guys appreciate it guy you know it's uh huge fans of yours i yeah, can't thank the, you the, enough for having all of us give be able to give you a little bit of peace of us and, and you showcase it on your podcast bro oh, man the reflection awesome. the reflection series is unbelievable i mean uh, i it, think it's, it's a genius, genius. idea it's to kind of rocking man it's rocking exactly and it yeah. just to to kind of pick the brains of you know all the people out there just kind of their perspective on on mindset and yeah. and uh and i think i think it's wonderful so um i think we all benefit from it so oh and gosh. again as gilbert said we're just more than honored to to kind of be part of it so thank you for having us uh, help with that yeah, and i was honored to have you guys that's what's so great about this community is that bottom line you know we all got to go up that mountain the same way we're all going to sweat when we do it and we're all going to have those verilakes or different things that are happening. And I want you to know, Manano, man, uh, Guy is a verilakes extraordinaire. I mean, he, he's got the formula for that, right, Guy? <laughs> so he got the voice at least. <laughs> he's the man. Yeah. He's the man. <laughs> you guys, I'm going to have to take this hat off. You keep blowing me up. <laughs> I think a cool thing is, is Gilbert, you know, here you host a podcast. We got Gilbert host a podcast. Gilbert, man, is a personality that no matter where he goes, man, he's always this personality, man. He's just, he's that guy. He's that mm-hmm. guy that you just love to listen to and listen to his stories and, and sound pick. But 
here you do a podcast and from what i understand socially you're not the same way no you know okay so i mean my wife has issue with this <laughs> but <laughs> but but if you look at where i'm at right and right. It, and you look at what i'm surrounded by here in california right it 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 for me to really be social or interact, I, I always feel like you need to have some kind of commonality, right? If you're going to make that connection, you need commonality. Um, and it's hard. It's hard for me to relate because my views are so much different than a lot of these people. It doesn't mean I'm not cordial or, you know, present myself in a nice way, but I don't, I don't vibe with some of that. And, you know, a lot of times if you start talking hunting or, you, you know, it's just you're like left field to these folks. Yeah. Right. So after how'd a while, you feel, you just, you feel, feel like talking? a round, round peg in a square hole. No, I'm around. I'm around peg in a round hole. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? So that's that's what's caused me that I'm going to say caused me that distance because I don't feel like that there's a connection. Now, you get me talking to you guys. Yeah. And there's I was that going to say, how did you feel talking to us before the show? Oh, man, we have we have that commonality. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We we have something in common. We have, you know, maybe we didn't put boots on the same path, but we have that shared struggle. Um, and, and there's a lot in just that struggle, right? That that as soon as we look at each other and we start talking, you no. know what's going on in that guy head you know so we have a similar situation in our uh you know community for latin people uh especially in venezuela we don't have uh, any uh haunting culture and if you i mean personally i don't post and on my personal account any any haunt because uh, 99 percent of my followers are uh, from venezuela they don't they don't they don't have that that hunting culture so if i post something with with a little bit of blood or, or yeah, a trophy yeah. They're, yeah they're, they're gonna go back and you know but you eat know, me Brian, alive I, so. I think that's a huge mistake man i i, I think that's almost like yeah a, but, but, a closet a closet hunter man because you don't you don't have that chance to open those discussions and some of those people don't want to hear the discussion right yeah. but at the same time anytime you get the opportunity to educate you know i i don't think you should be hiding your passion no because we, we, of other people we we don't actually we're, yeah, we're, we're doing it what manano's saying we, yeah we're doing it in a difference yeah we're doing it in a, in a, in our older accounts yeah. yeah, so so one of the reasons why I started with my account being called Only Hunters, uh-huh, it was because it was because of that. Yeah. You know, I started posting my hunting stuff in my account and immediately it's just like, "Oh my god, how can you possibly do something like that?" and blah blah blah. And then I hey, look, and and I was all about what you're saying. I was yeah, yeah. trying to educate and all this stuff, yeah. but I just grew grew tired of it. Yeah, but it's so I created really a new hard. account called Only Hunters, which really then it became VM Hunters and it's stuff like that. Absolutely hard. I I I hear you. And yeah. you know, like I said, there's going to be a bunch of them that no matter what they're going to get it. Exactly. But if, but if you can affect one person oh and i still do it don't get me wrong so what i do is with the vm hunters account we repost a lot of the stuff in our personal accounts mm -hmm. and the people that is interested they would actually you know write a message and ask you know it's like oh, yeah. you know look I, I understand i like meat but you know how come you, you hunt like this way and then i just okay when they open the door for that discussion is like look i understand and completely respect your point of view but here's my point of view and here's here's what i know 
about the you know hunting that you may sure. not know then and you then have an opportunity to educate. then you have an opportunity to have those conversations yeah. but i'm just trying to avoid the extremists I, yeah. there's no, there's, you're not going to avoid them they I, I, troll yeah. us like crazy but for, for 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 venezuelans there there's no valid argument to 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 you know to to support the the hunt i mean in, in the u.s the hunt the hunting community it's 86 billion a year so that's an argument <laughs> and, and you can, you can go you know elk population uh, went from this little bit to that big amount of elk in the mountain from 90s to yeah, right. 2000 so yeah, yeah. because of the conservation and right. because of the of the hunters so uh, we don't have that kind of uh, support in venezuela you handle that guy That's in your no. crowd man i mean like you said you're in that environment so what what how do you handle that you know, it, uh, for me, it's a deeper conversation, right? And it's not like, hey, you got five minutes. It's do you have 20 yeah. or 30 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I've said it for a long time, even on my platform, you know, as hunters, we have a weak argument because we don't want to have to explain everything, right? And, and I think to a point, and excuse me, folks listening, is that we're not fully educated on it ourselves, right? Because the conversation... Um, should be about biodiversity and conservation and sustainable landscapes, right? And when we start talking along that line, people are more likely to listen, uh, but it's a long-winded conversation. So some people, you lose them, but that's the step we have to take. And, and if you lose them, you lose them. They're going to walk away and remember five or six things out of 20 that you said. Yeah. But at least the wheels are turning because it's easy for somebody to get on and the thumbs start moving and they start Googling. And then that's when the light bulb comes up. If we provide them things like that, right? Well, what's biodiversity? And they start looking at that. <laughs> um, I, I think that's where those those conversations need to be had. You know, yeah, I think very well said. I think one of the reasons that we're not as educated about it is because I, I really think to a point that being a hunter is something that is built into the DNA of us. You know, it, it's something that comes from deep inside, man, that yeah. that that thirst for being out there for becoming talked part about of it in the Bible. That, yeah. And I see it in my daughters, man. Yeah. I mean, girls that never never shot a gun, never shot a crossbow. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you put them in a situation like that and they pull the trigger and they get vitulakis and they get that heartbeat going. And it's just like, they don't, you don't learn that. No. And, and look, they, then they've, then they've partaken in something that they're a part of, and now they have harvested food for their own family. Look, and, and, and you know, as we evolved as people from the Adam and Eve days, man, God gave us the animals and to be over them in all domains for our use to eat and to and to have to, for working purposes and everything. And, you know, to have a conversation like that, like Guy said, it's deep because these people want to troll you and box you into a corner and make you seem to be some evil person. I've never killed an animal with malice in my heart, you know. <laughs> Not one time, you know, I've never harvested an animal with any malice in my heart, you know. As a matter of fact, man, we pray over our animals when we're done, you know. Yeah, we give thanks oh, yeah. to, to, that's to God and creation here. for them. That's going to come in here. We're going to talk yeah. about that at the end of the show because we got sure. a terrific question out here. So, 
Yo, but let's sure. start rocking this, man. Absolutely, man. Well, guys, y'all know what time it is. It's yeah. time for the Elf Bros. Shout out to a few cities <laughs> with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yeah, right away, we're going to thank, man, our brother Tim Cordova of Colorado Springs, who kicked off the show, man. And guys, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Tim's no stranger to the Elk Bros. He actually, his question that he sent in actually inspired one of our past episodes. Um, it was the one, if you're not hunting cow elk, you should be. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was the one that inspired that, his question. And listen, grinders, you too can send a 15 or 20 second <laughs> shout out video through a message, either on our elk bros, Instagram or email. You can email me at Joe at elkbros.com that you have a clip and I'll make sure that we get that video. We'd love to have you. And you know, we're going to do a little bit of change here tonight since we have a guest in camp tonight. <laughs> and to honor his time with us, we are only going to shout out to this week's top listening city and then include the rest of those next week when we get there. But, guys, as our guest tonight at Elk Camp, we would love for you to start us off with a shout out to your hometown, bud. All right, man. Known for its tree-lined cities and green canopies and is a post-World War II planned community where uh, veterans from World War II could get a home loan with no down payment and a 30-year mortgage at 40% interest. About 150 miles of streets and 300 miles of sidewalk and more than 36,000 tree-lined city streets and shade cities parks. Known as Tree City USA, Lakewood, California. Lakewood. Lakewood. What part? Of, what part of Cali is that, guys? So it's, it's in Southern California, so I'm bordering uh, Orange County, uh, okay. and I'm just north of Long Beach. So my my sister lives in La Habra or San Diego, La Habra, that area between San Diego and uh, Cali. I'm trying to remember the the town, uh, and then. Uh, you know, I've got a ton of my family from Malibu. My, mm -hmm. One side of my family is all in the music business. So, oh, there you go. One thing you're going to find out about Gilbert, man, if if there's a city he's had to He got in, somebody over there. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, from LA to Knoxville, baby. All right, Cabez, let's know the top listening city. Okay, this, this week's top listening city is a 400 year old port city, home to comedian Bob Saget and the world's largest naval base and the North American headquarters for NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. USA Today calls this city one of the top 10 booming downtowns and is called the Mermaid City and is the birthplace of our own comedian, Joe Gillia. What? <laughs> and that's Norfolk, <laughs> Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. Eww. Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> uh, hey, Joe, do you consider yourself a comedian, bro? <laughs> <laughs> so my grandfather, my grandfather, who was uh, from Italy, didn't speak much English, right? But he always, um, I think. I like he, Manano. That, <laughs> he he kind of, a lot like Manano, he kind of made on like he didn't understand English. And, <laughs> you know, he'd walk around and people would say stuff to him. And he, he was like, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand, right? And and one time That's my mom came down and, and snuck around the corner. And there was my grandpa sitting with me. And he was just talking to me as plain as day in English, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> but he used to have a name for me when I was a baby that in Italian was the little comedian. So <laughs> he thought oh, it was gotcha. pretty funny. What was that name? I, 
I don't know, dude. I was like knee high to a grasshopper, but so <laughs> yeah. 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 So niece lives in Norfolk. My Norfolk, niece lives in Norfolk, Norfolk Virginia. Virginia, man. Norfolk, mm-hmm. Virginia, man. And that's so cool to have them top listening guys. So uh Colocomico. Yeah, appreciate y'all, man. So, guys, we're gonna rock into this because uh, we have Guy with us tonight, and Guy, we're 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 coming to you, and you are going to be our lead off on these, and you know we're gonna kind of pick your brain, have some conversation, and and like we told everybody, this might get a little bit deep tonight, but it's gonna be honest, man, and and that's the thing that. I think isn't done enough. I think there's a lot of questions in people's minds out there because they just don't know if that's something that they can trust, man. And they hear all these different things from everywhere. But, you know, so many people new to elk hunting, when they come in, it's just like, holy Toledo, man. It's just so much out there. I don't, you know, what you're hit with in social media, what you're hit with from the marketing out there, what you're hit with from different programs. And, you know, you, you go and you watch the different TV shows that give you this whole different picture. And I, I'll tell you, I had a, a friend of mine that I, I, I wanted him to come and film one of my hunts and, uh, and he had never been elk hunting before. So I gave him a a video disc of a hunt. It was probably like a Primo's or something like that back in the day. Right. Gave it to him. He watched and he came back. He's like, Oh, piece of cake, man. So we go to the edge of a meadow. We set up a camera, you call, they come in, you shoot it and we're done. Done, (laughs) 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 So guy, let me put it it to you guy, man. How can, how can these people avoid getting overwhelmed or falling victim or becoming misinformed by all of those things out there and, and, and all that propagated hype, or if you don't think it's hype, you know, maybe it's, it's not. Man. So, so I have a couple of feelings on it, right? I got to excuse me because I got to watch my mouth and everything. So (laughs) in in, in terms, you got to know what kind of hunter you are first, right? Let me take this hat off. You got to know what kind of hunter you are. And if you understand what kind of hunter you are, then you can kind of go in the direction of what you think suits you best. Right. And that's a hard thing to say, you know, I'm this kind of hunter, especially if you're green, green, right? If you're now, if you're a guy that's never chased anything, um, you just, to me, it's trial and error. You can watch all you want to watch, but it's going to be boots on the ground experience. That's going to suit you the best. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you, what you consume, um, in terms of the flood of information, if you're trying to decipher and get through that stuff, I would say, stay away from the, I don't want to say branded stuff, but if, if it's because you like a Matthews bow or you like this call company, or you like this boot company, not to say that it's bad content or bad information, but don't make that the reason that you are watching that. And then secondly, don't make that the reason that that's the only thing that you're consuming, right? Because with all the information out there, you don't even, if you don't know what type of hunter you are, you can go and get all the bits and pieces and put them together to, to build that repertoire. Yeah. I, I think he's 100% right on the money, Joe. First of all, you got to find out, you know, uh, when you're starting out, what kind of hunter you are, you know, uh, and what you're looking for in a hunt, 
you know, uh, which leads us into, you know, some other questions like where could you go wrong doing that? You know, all of that information can be very overwhelming. But I will tell you something that I would do. Not no shameless plug either, but I definitely listen to Western Contours and the Elk Bros <laughs> podcast because that dang sure gets you straight on the right right yeah. path. But, right, I mean from episode one. What do you say, Louise? Uh, I mean, you know, and I'm just kind of thinking how my journey began, right? And uh, and and I got a couple of, uh, of general thoughts here. The first one is. Look, if this is something that you think you're passionate about and something you got a strong interest on, um, go ahead and get started. I mean, just just go ahead and jump in and, and start digging into the information there is out there. Yes, I do agree there is a lot of information out there, but I think having, uh, having a mentor – uh, having uh, a couple couple people that that uh, it's already doing it it goes a long ways because then you have you have that one on one you have that person that can guide you to where you know yeah where, where information is at and, and what kind of things you can look upon see I was I was completely led the wrong direction when I started joining Manano and his son so I mean I had to <laughs> I, I had to turn around and look at Beto and say Beto please man I mean I'm just going completely the wrong direction here I need I some I need some serious guidance so Beto was like there to kind of support me and tell me, "No, look, Manano is completely wrong. He's a nice dude, but I mean, he's." I saved your life, man. <laughs> I saved your life. So, you we're hunting with a shotgun. But, 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 but in reality, I think you know, one, just just go ahead and get started. Have the courage to go ahead and step in. You're gonna have, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make wrong choices, but that's going to teach you. But at the same time, if you have somebody else. And the way, yeah. But that. what mistakes? What mistakes do you think they're going to make, man? Because I mean, I got people that write me letters, and they're like, "I've got to drop like seven grand to get into this." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's one mistake right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't have to. But what do you want? You know, can you afford a seven thousand dollar hunt? Because I can tell you. Well, I'm not talking can, about the hunt, bro. I'm not right. talking about the hunt. I'm talking about, talking about the gear. I, yeah, I'm talking oh, about gotcha. to get, just to get the stuff to be able to get out in the woods, man. They're gotcha. like, no, you don't have to spend seven thousand. No. Guy, what do you, what do you think, man? Uh, on the money, I mean, you know, when I when I decide, yeah, I mean, it's you know, again, what kind of hunter are you? You want to be that guy that's you know touting all those fancy brands, yeah. or do you want to be you know the Joe Blow with the new Hoyt behind him? That's uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was slick, guys. That was slick, dude. That oh, is, man. But that is running Damn. the equipment that has suited his purpose for X amount of years. I mean, it's really a choice. When I started, man, my first bow came off of eBay at $150 from some dude in, in Virginia somewhere. And man, that's how I rolled, you yeah. know, and it, it was, you know, BDUs and it was just, it was low budget. You know, I didn't have the means. So if you want to be out there, you're going to find the means to be out there, but you gotta, you gotta stop getting slapped in the face with all the, the hype and mumbo jumbo. Yeah. yeah, you can. I mean, and you can do this low budget for sure. Absolutely. So start out with low budget and then just understand 
whether or not this is really a passion for you and something that you you know you want to continue to do and then at that point then you start you you start reevaluating your budget and then understanding how much you really want to invest on this because it's not only an investment of money it's also an investment of time sure. and is this money and time really paying out as far as how much you love this and how much passionate how passionate you are about this mm -hmm. and so but but it's just a kind of baby steps you know work your way into it and then let it unfold as you know as as you think is really on gonna unfold for but you but most people associate when you say low budget right most mm -hmm. people associate that with like you know second class third class like mm -hmm. you know how am i going to be successful and, and again, I, th I think this is one of those things out there, reality versus social media or all the marketing that happens out there is like, Agree. you know, uh, oh, 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 how much the success supposed to cost, man? I mean, you know, but when you talk, when God makes a great point, what, what kind of what demographic are you from? What kind of what socioeconomic background do you come from? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, a guy that's a doctor and who's flush with oh, cash it really yeah. doesn't matter what he spends right but a guy who's a working class guy who's you know a nine to five dude who put you know or a, or a, a nine to nine guy who's a shift worker who's making a, a good living uh, but it's different for them right you got a guy making fifty five thousand dollars a year versus a guy making four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year it's just different on how they're going to set things up yeah you can get caught up in the hype and maybe that socioeconomic structure is going to lead you into being caught up in that hype. Or if you're a frugal guy, like, you know, a lot of us are, we we would dive in and try to do some research on, you know, what guys have been killing, you know, elk with, you know, I mean, do I need a brand new VX3 or a Hoyt Raptor or whatever that's out there? It's brand new. Or could I go get me? Could, like the guy said, I could look up on eBay and buy me a Matthew switchback for 450 bucks. And that bow's 12, 13 years old. But I promise you, it will slay dragons, brother, when you put the right equipment with it, right? Yeah. So I, 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 think, I think it's really in, in what you figure out where you want to go, you know? And then once you do, you dive in, like Luis said, find a mentor, whether it be at your bow shop or a guy that you hunt with. I mean, hunting out West ain't easy. You know, I mean, everybody reads the information. This is information age, man. You can Google just about anything, you know? So when they dive in and find out five to 10% of people in these areas are only successful versus 20 to 30,000 people hunting, that's a, that's a big deal. So that, that hits you in the face like a crappy mouth. Yeah. yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think one of the things you're mentioning there, it's actually a perfect segue to potentially our next discussion is because, okay, so you're talking about equipment and stuff like that, that, you know, could potentially increase your success, right? you know, in the hunt. But then at that point, when you're at that point into where, okay, what is my success in the hunt? Am I out there just for just, you know, having connection with nature and enjoying the ride? And all right, having all right. you, you're getting ready to get me going, man, right here, man, because yeah. I, I'm like, oh, you know, because I, yeah. this is where I, I really, really struggle. And this is where exactly y'all had better chime in on this because – Absolutely. Man, I, what is success? 
Yeah, what is success? Because, you know... Well, I think it's different for every one of us. Absolutely. I think you yeah. have to define that yourself, Joe. I think you've got to be honest with what expectations there are. you got to do your homework and manage those expectations. For me, man, you, you know you hunted with me for the first five years of my career. And it really was not about killing a elk. Plenty of opportunities to do so, right? Drove my guides absolutely crazy. It was about killing the elk. And uh, by the way, he's right above me right here. You can see him right up here in this little crazy eye. Looking down at you. He's got that eye right. You see that eye right there? That's my wife, man. She loves to to put old crazy eye on display. So uh, at, at the end of the day, man, it was about killing the elk, all right? And and for, I was okay going home with tag soup. You know, it was going to be just fine with me. I learned every time I went in the woods. Now, for another guy, it may mean that he needs to harvest an animal for him to be. But you to- just said something, man. You said you went home with tag soup. That tag soup syndrome right there. As soon as somebody says, I ate tag soup. What what are they actually saying? Because guy, we it's, you know I've heard, an, I've, I've heard this conversation thing. happen a lot, man, with, with right. you the the experience versus the pursuit, killing versus hunting, man, right? So what what's your viewpoint on that? Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's again knowing the hunter you are. It, it goes back to that, right? Because you are going to ultimately define your success, right? And, and for me, the I, I have this. And I'm not like patting, it might be stupid, but I, it, for me, it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but I have a, a leap before I look mentality. Like I'm just going to go, I don't care. I'm just going. And sometimes I'll define my day in the woods or my day on the mountain by my ability just to go. Yeah. Um, and it's really a, a personal experience. That's the beauty. One of the beauties of hunting, mm-hmm. right. And then peeling back to what I was saying before you, you got to get away from, someone else determining what your level of success is on the mountain. I mean, it's just, it's yours. It's your experience. It's yours to create whatever opportunity you have. It's yours. 110%. If you realize every time you're on the mountain, absolutely. And if you realize that every time you walk in the woods, you never have a bad day, a disappointing day, on the mountain, even with a missed shot, yeah. right? Those days become learning lessons and experiences that you're going to look at and you're going to capitalize on the next time you're on the mountain. Yeah. Not easy I though. Agree. I agree. Not I, easy to, not easy to be, to, to, to have that, um, so clear in your head when you're well, starting out, you get a, when I, you're starting I, out, I think, the I think problem that's going to be so important is, to manage expectations going forward. I, I think it's like the problem I have is it's kind of like everybody it's, it's got to be black and white and, and, and it's not black and white, man. Maybe, I mean, that's right. It, I think a hunt is made up of a lot of different goals and a lot of different successes and failures throughout yeah. that hunt. Yeah. Uh, all, all I'm saying is, you know, can, can you be unsuccessful in the hunt and have successful things happen? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You can, but you know, when, when it's kind of like this, you know, here we're on a podcast and, and guy does a podcast, right. And, you know, you have TV shows and everything like that. When, when the hunting community and each of us here considers a hunter successful, 
right? When we consider a hunter successful, what does that resume look like, man? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw the eyes get real big over there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. at that point, at that point, you're talking about being able, able to seal the deal. Yeah. So, Guy, what do you think, man? I saw I, the I, eyes I, get big. Yeah, that that's... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we sit at the top of this. It's going to be open and honest. Yeah. I, I think it's horse ass um, because you're watching a highlight reel essentially yeah. right and and we kind of touched on, on that earlier with the you know with giving the guy the dvd you're watching a highlight reel and and that is not the definition of success mm -mm. um the definition of success in my opinion when it comes to hunting is getting out what you put in right and i have no problem with how anybody hunts as long as it's responsible and ethical and and more power to you right if you figured out the the magic of being able to brand it and, and have that content that people are drawn to, but that is not the measure of success. But here's a question the for you. Here's a question for you though. If you got two guys that are both responsible and ethical, but you got one guy that is able to seal the deal every time and other one that is not able to seal the deal every time, then how do you measure success between the two to you in your mind, knowing, understanding that, you know, who's the better hunter? Well, it, it, it really doesn't matter because you, now, now you're talking Does about party's it, opinion. No, it, it only matters to the person that's hunting. Well, no, and I understand what Luis is saying, yeah. though, right? Because, because yeah, if you look at that, I have my buddy. I'm not going to even be guessing, all right, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> the poor guy can't steal the deal. We're in the elk woods, and he's got a uh, elk 80 yards away. He creeps in 30, and he's like, I don't see the damn thing, right? Shoots at, a, I don't know how many turkey with a turkey tag in his pocket. Can't steal the deal. And sometimes for me, it's frustrating, right? Cause it's like, you want the guy to, you want him to arrow something, sure. right? But at the same time, as I watch him grow and understanding the process and the struggle, I can't, I can't not equate that to success, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's gonna be all the much better when he arrows that, yeah. right? Then you're like, damn it, right? And then- now On this podcast right now, I watched like that for three years. Right, and, know, and so. then when that comes, right? You know that all that's gonna come together in his head, right? All those failures are gonna come. Man, that that is the buildup, right? I, when I started this- And it's the journey, right? Yeah. The journey. When I started hunting, man, I went, I think I went four years, I think I, I think it was four years before I killed a deer. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I was out and out and out and out and out. Right. Couldn't figure it out. Like what? I didn't even see an animal for three years. Mm -hmm. I finally got on an animal man and it was like the greatest thing. Right. So understanding that part of the journey, um, it, it, it's a big deal. And I think, you know, if you look at it in terms of the struggle and the respect of the struggle, right. Um, yeah. the game, if you will, that is where that success is defined. And I think the more, the more people start to show the hardships of hunting in those films, the more likely we are to come together and people go, wow, that is, yeah. that is the business right there. That is it. Uh, you're 100% right. Guy. Oh, there I love is this. room for Hollywood in the hunting world, no doubt. Right. And we, like you said, most of the time we see the highlight reels, all the kumbaya high five and walking up on animals and this, that, and the other. But we also want to see the struggle too, mm -hmm. because it, without any of those successes, didn't come struggle. 
I promise you, even with the major league guys, we want to see that struggle, you know. Yeah. And and for me, we we walk through that struggle every day. We're do-it-yourself guys, and, you know, we hunt public land. I mean, we're not on private ranches and stuff like that. I mean, I've had the opportunity and many times to be able to hunt on a private ranch. It is a different world, you know. But- does that come because of maturity and age? I mean, because I, I know a lot of people, man, love football, but they'd rather watch the highlight reel than watch the whole freaking game, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, I, I just think, and, yeah, and that's what we're personal preference. About. Yeah, because we get it. We get well, success it. Success the you journey know. part we mm-hmm. we get that man uh but i think that comes with perspective and maturity and it comes with the struggle of understanding that there's some people man that I, go on you can go on youtube right now and you can find you can find some of those where they just show you know the day to day and some people are like well i don't want to watch people walking through the woods i want to watch what's happening when something's up on and they're yeah, the action yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you know yeah. I, I mean i'm just Certainly. saying Right? Certainly. And, and that goes back to the point of what you were saying earlier today as far as the, the, the flood of information out there. I mean, pe- what people are seeing are the success stories. And then yes, obviously so they feel like a failure when it doesn't they, happen. Exactly. Exactly. It's, they're, they're harder on themselves because they only see the success in the other end. I mean, yeah. you know, Manano and I, we spent it's apple, it's apples and oranges. They're comparing. Absolutely. And Manano and I, we spent years in trying to understand where to shoot these hogs, man. Right. And it was a series of, you know, failure after failure and just kind of mind boggling. I was like, how are we going to hunt these animals? You know, and then it, it took, it took mentoring. It took, uh, you know, researching, it took patience, understanding, and it, you know, and, and it's become easier and easier nowadays. So yes, I mean, do we consider ourselves successful, uh, hog hunters nowadays? I would say we do, but you know, it's not it's not what we do now. It's what we were willing to do and what we did that got us here. And and the so journey. that's what people the journey. And that's what people need to understand. But most importantly, I want to. And I'm sorry, Joe, but I haven't heard Chav. And no, I, I was going to just say, the I, yeah, same. man, yeah, I man. I I know Chav. Chav, <laughs> you know, wheels are turning there, and I'd so want to hear his opinion on all of this. Doggone, you guys woke me up. <laughs> I told you we could talk a leg off a wooden end and the ninjas and yeah. speak. Like E.F. Hutton, y'all better listen. For me, it's been uh, an evolution. You know, uh, you know, it took me a couple of years before I, I, I killed an elk. And uh, I had, uh, I figured that every time I went out, I'd have at least one opportunity during a, a seven day hunt. And that, that always occurred. And it took a while before I was able to close the deal. Um, and as far as the success, you know, to me now, of course, it's a totally different evolution because now just getting out there is going to be is going to be success for me. Uh, but uh, I'd say during all those years, uh, every every time I get out there, you learn something new. And what I really like about bow hunting, it, it's it's a different. And you get to see stuff that nobody else does, you know, even rifle hunters, you know, they're, they got their scopes, um, spotting scopes and their, their binos. They miss a lot. You know, they miss the little things around them. And, uh, 
it's always a learning process. It's always a learning experience. Every single time you go out there, and if you can just kind of think back to uh, what occurred, you know, what went, what went right, what went wrong, and, and correct your wrongs as you go. Um, so to me, success is, is, is really the journey. You know, uh, I love to eat elk meat. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I know there's going to be sometimes just not going to happen. Percentages aren't there. And uh, I don't have a, I don't have an atomic bow like probably all five of you guys, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll shoot that 60, 55 pound bow. So my shot's got to be right there, you know, got to be in the spot. And, uh, you know, I've lost some and, and, I've, and I've, you know, uh, harvested quite a few, probably more than, than the average person. But uh, I, success is just getting, to me, just getting out there and, and having a great time with uh, people that you enjoy hunting with. Yep. And well see, said. And, and, <laughs> so, I'm just going to tell you, man, it, it's just straight up. If, and it's changed a little bit. Like this year was probably one of the first years. And I think, see, early so, on. Joe, my, how, would you feel, how would you feel coming back home with a tax suit? Oh, you man, consider that a success. Friggin nuts, man. I, I mean, it just would, man. Y'all got to understand, Joe's just a little different animal. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, it's, again, it's, it's he's success. He's got a tag in his pocket and he's got a boat. I mean, you hand. got you got the two sides of the coin here. I mean, you got, you know, I, you, know you both are measuring success slightly different. No, but, and, and <laughs> you know, the thing the is, 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 is look, early on in my career, I, I and up to a certain point, I'd say I was a very – selfish hunter in that man i look uh i'm going to go after an animal yeah, and me too if, if you're not going to get on it you better get on my way because i'm going to get in there and i want to make <laughs> the kill and you know i, I mean uh, honestly god I, I got tunnel vision you can ask chav man i mean it's like uh, you better get on it because i tell you what uh, i i'm like that freaking cougar man i get locked in and i want to go over there and just finish that deal on that but at the same time I took, and, and it's, here's the, the weird part about it was as I started doing that and I started getting that down, I took more pleasure out of him getting an animal than I did myself. However, I had to do it, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got more for me. It was almost like business, mm -hmm. you know, it was like this. I mean, it's like, I'm going to eat, I'm going to kill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing him do it was like, man, that was my, my heart thumper. And it's like this year was the first year. And, you know, now that I work with you guys and I'm, and I'm trying to ensure that you guys are getting animals, there's times when I'm like, look, if it happens for me, it happens. I've almost like put it in the back seat. Right. And, and it's like, I want to put everybody else out front. And, but then you saw what happened this time, man. Yeah, but and, we, it was a perfect scenario for it to happen. We talked about that. You know, we had a great conversation about how this needed to go down, especially if we got in a herd and it split. You know, I, we we all wanted, everybody in that camp wanted Joe to kill an elk because we knew that that was all our goals to really give it back to Chav. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Our guy that has pushed us and, co you know, coached us. I mean, I, I was more upset with myself because I didn't kill that elk that day when my peep sight uh, failed me because I, now I got to call, I, I got to send Chav a text and go, man, I, I whiffed today. You know, that was horrible. Not, not to mention I got my mentor over by. What the heck? Yeah. Not to mention I got my mentor looking over my shoulder going, 
Boys, I put that thing in your lap. What's up, fellas? You know, I could have killed him with a dadgum ball peen hammer, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, I get it, Joe. You, you yourself, <laughs> Joe is the ultimate competitor when it comes into the harvesting the of milk. You know? I think it's that competitive nature, man. It I really is, Joe. Just like I see it all over you. Uh, and it's it's part of what we do as competitors, I, sports I, we played. Stuff like have I, you I, watched I, any of have you watched any of guys post, man? Have you seen what kind of competitor this dude is with him? For before? sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so he, that, he's just talking about his boy right now. He just outed his boy Drew's like, man. <laughs> Oh, what I can do for that hand, you know? But, I didn't put him in the middle of them, and, you know, he's shooting turkeys and everything. <laughs> but I think Guy's point about defining what kind of hunter you are taps into what we're just talking about. Because success is going to be defined based on your, your hunt, you your realizing what kind of hunter you are. Yeah. Well, what were I you going to say just now, Guy? You had yeah. something that was coming out. Man. Well, it, <sighs> Because you keep saying it's the it's your competitive mindset or that competitor. And I don't and I disagree with it being a competition. Right. And I would say that there there's a drive there. Definitely. Right. And so I, and maybe it's just the way I'm taking it. But there is it's just you're driven to succeed with with that mission at hand. Right. It's a right. drive. Right. That, that's going to make Joe outrun these guys, you know, and then have them chasing up the mountain you're driven, you're driven to succeed. You're driven to arrow that animal. And I think in my head, at least, and hearing that is where I see the difference, right? It's not a competition with Chav or, or, or Gil or Luis or Manano. No, it's, no, it's absolutely not. just it's absolutely not. driven mission personal. driven, you know, it, it's, it's just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fail yourself, right? You've, you've set the expectation for yourself. No, I, I think that competition has nothing to do with the people around me, bro. Right, right. It, it's it, yourself. It has to do Within with itself. that dude inside me. Exactly. And that, and that critter out there and that, and all of the forces that are trying to stop me yeah. from being successful. It's just yeah. that refuse to lose type attitude. Right. And it, it just. No, and I dig it. I, I, I can hunt with that, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I was coached that way most of my life. Uh, I'm hard-nosed kind of dude. And uh, look, I, you know. I'm my own worst critic. Um, at the end of the day, man, yeah. Do I want to look, man? I love to. Eat. My family loves to eat elk meat. They don't want me coming home without one. Mm. So yeah, is it important for me to harvest a? It doesn't matter to me, Joe. Though uh, Joe, it doesn't matter if it's a cow or or a, or a bull. I promise you, my elk tag will say either sex. I'm telling you right now, don't let one get in the sights because it's getting the missile. So the meat not, is not. accepted. The antlers and the trophy may not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for clearing that up there, Luis. That's right. My wife's like, look, 41 mounts in this house is enough. We're not having any more. You're going to have to find a place for it to hang. Thankfully, I got a really cool bow shop to let's And I know you've always had a great perspective out there. You just, I mean, well, yeah, I uh, think when Chavo an like overstatement right there kind of thing man so uh, yeah i was about to say something similar to chav because my father he made sure that uh, my expectation uh, were you know really low and and it's not about killing <laughs> an animal he made sure your expectations were really low <laughs> no yeah, about amount figures <laughs> no about killing an animal i mean it's not it's not uh being success 
I mean, you have to kill an animal to be success. It's just you have to feel successful if you go out and, and be happy in the woods. Right. So if you kill an animal, it'll be five or ten percent of the hunt. But the ninety percent of the hunt is sharing in the camp and in, 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 in all the all the the, the, this, the yeah. And um, for me, uh, to be success, first of all, is to be to have the opportunity to go with you to the L camp. Mm-hmm. And to fill my tag, it's twenty percent for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's my my general thought on this. Yeah, of course, I, I, I want. We've gone to elk camp without a tag in our pocket. Yeah, of, of course. Uh, but if I have the opportunity to 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 draw my bow, awesome. If not, I'll be happy going with you. Feeling feeling Burulakis fills up. Yeah, more, that's more uh, that and, I, and I was I was about to say that uh, when when guy. Uh, mentioned it about the competition to Joe. Joe is not a competitor. He 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 loves the Viro Lackes I mean it's something that drives him nuts. He's a, it's, he's a freaking adrenaline a, junkie. Yeah he, he, I didn't mean I didn't I, I don't want nobody to take it wrong. I wouldn't no, you know no, like no, dicing I, on no, Joe. No, it's not it's and not, I, I believe you're right guy. I, I think you yeah. were redefining the situation as well. Yeah it's uh, it's uh beautiful to have these internal competition i mean it's absolutely man i mean i call it guy i call it the unicycle mentality man i mean i because i my stepdad one time brought home a unicycle we were six kids in our family and he brought home this unicycle that somebody had given to him and he showed it to us and he's like this is a unicycle he says i'll probably be taking it back in two weeks because you guys will mess with it and then you're done with it and just his whole thing of saying that it was something that we couldn't do yeah you know it, it just like drove me. And I mean, I, I had to conquer it, man. It was just, it, it's drive. been that way in my life, man. It's, yeah. drive. Drive. it's exactly. that drive, That's man. Yeah, it, 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 it is the drive. It's the drive to, you know, <laughs> when I, my first elk hunt, I got up there 325, 30 pounds, man. I mean, I, I had no business being in the woods, but Carl Gamage, was gracious enough to give me my first elk hunt. And when I got there, he was like, oh my God, I got to tote this badass all around this mountain. I am <laughs> not, this is not going to end well for him, right? <laughs> and and look, one thing he knew is that, hey, fat boy could shoot, no doubt, right? But I'm going to have to get him up and down out of these hills. And it's it's uphill every way you leave <laughs> that dadgum camp, man. I mean, it's uphill coming there and going back, right? Well, 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 There's no freaking air up there all the all for us flatlanders it somebody sucked it all up when we get there because i mean it takes three days to freaking figure out how to get some oxygen in your lungs when they when they freaking gave me that elk hunt it changed something inside me mentally uh i was driven like there was no tomorrow first of all I am a very competitive dude, right? Guys are coming in talking about all these experiences, and I'm like, how in the hell could y'all even enjoy this experience? I was about to die. I'm talking like (laughs) several times I was going to die out there on that mountain, right? But I knew it was such a surreal, unbelievably beautiful moment. I don't even give a damn if I died or not, because that was a cool place (laughs) to die anyway, right? (laughs) So... I was going to get better at this. And it was yours truly, Joe Gillia. W. Oh, yeah. Hey, Big O, could you, could you quote uh, Mr. Carl when you call him in the phone and say, hey, Mr. Carl, I just want to haunt Gail. 
Hell uh, you say. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> I, I said, Hey man, I said, I I heard you guys are having elk hunting operation up there and I said, I want a, a real bow hunt to hunt elk. He goes, Hell you say. I said, no, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe this cat, man. Carl Gamage is he's really the reason elk burrows exist, right? Uh it, it put us all together. Uh make a long story short, you know, I, that first year I was not successful. I did loose an arrow. Uh, and I wounded a bull. Um, they actually found him. Um, they actually found him about six weeks later. He was a really big bull, like a 342, man. He was a giant bull. But everything I learned about bow hunting ran down the crack of my butt when that bull stepped out at 19 yards and I shot him with a 40 yard pin, you know? So. Uh, Which pin? Yeah, yeah, all of all them. them. Go ahead, Gilbert. I had never seen anything like that. So for me, the hunt. And I, look, I signed my name on the wall of that cabin, you know, Gilbert Ornelas, uh, the year I was there and it, and it, it has a quote in it. It's not about the harvest. It's all about the hunt. And I've been that way my whole life, man. I grew up in a hunting family and I lived to be in the journey. I lived to have that journey to go in the woods or go on the lake or whatever and see that sunrise in the morning. And then whether I catch a fish or I kill an animal, I've gotten to go out into God's great outdoors and, and enjoy that usually with a family member. And yeah, I'm calling my elk brothers family members because that's what they are to me, man. And I get to enjoy that with a family member and get out there and test myself against the elements, against the animals, against everything that's against you while you're out there putting this thing together. That's a personal success for me to be able to enjoy that. And well, when that. I met you, dude, when I met you, you were on a CPAP, you were on yeah. medications, you were about, you say three and a quarter, probably like three thirty, three thirty five at the yeah. time. And yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it altered your life. And, and I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to call out my mentor too. The guy yeah. that, you know, the sensei over there that was talking Absolutely. about, Oh, it's all about the journey and, and this and that. Right. <laughs> I, I want you to know, man, uh, it, you think I'm a driven son of a buck? I, I learned it from that puppy over there. I mean, he sounds mm -hmm. all nice and gentle. This dude in a race, in a distance race, could be on his last. I mean, it's like your energy level when when you're there on a on a race, man. It's just you. Well, guy, you've been out there. I see pictures of you running up the mountain and stuff, right? Yes, you, sir. You know what that feels like when that voice is on your shoulder and <clears throat> telling you you're not going to be able to do it. Let me tell you what. That dude right there would have guys come up and challenge him, and they should have gone by him. He will friggin' cough up blood before he lets people pass him. I, I kid you not. He will cough up blood before he lets that happen. He is such a driven individual, and, and – you know, uh, he, he looks all nice and sweet over there and <laughs> telling that stuff. And, and, and I know Chav understands. I mean, he, he taps he, on the force. Yeah, the force he, is strong with him. He, he, he is the force. Is strong with and, that and it's like, I've listened to guy, dude. I've he will tell you that, and, but he is. I've listened to you, man. And I, I've watched your thing. Like when you had your wife in the mountains last year, and when you guys were picking the hardest spot to go, I mean, 
Okay, I'm not going to say you're the brightest puppy in the woods, man. I mean, that's for that's a fact, brother. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never argue that, but that's what I say, right? Is I'm going to leap before I look, right? And that's and that's part of it. But what you were just saying about Chad there, right? And and it goes back to everything we we're saying, right? Even with, I mean, between expectations and success, yeah. um, you know, temper your expectations as in terms of the animal, but in terms of success and expectations for yourself, right. It has to be lofty. Right. And, and, and your expectation for yourself in the woods is that you are going to grind it out, be that grinder. Right. And you are going to push yourself as far as you can possibly push yourself to where you're, you know, don't folks don't do it. And I don't want you on the mountain blaming me, you know, spitting up that, that air quote blood. Right. And that is going to define your level of success. And it's going to change your mindset in terms of what success is in terms of relationship with the animal or the notch tag. You gotta, you gotta look at it like that. You, 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 you're tapping onto something that I wanted to chime in on because I actually talked about this on your podcast, um, on the reflection sections. And, and when you're talking about that drive, that drive is basically what's pushing you every day in and out to give it all, to give all that you know, everything in your toolbox to go out there and, and try to accomplish whichever goal you've set for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, the importance of that is that at the end is, and I say it again on that podcast, is at the end of the hunt, no regrets that's it and and the no regret mentality is that you know that your drive has made you give it all everything you could and then you're going back and you're saying okay yes my hunt was a success because i know i gave it all i learned and it was it it was epic and i had great memories and I know that I gave it everything I could give it. Now, mm-hmm. have I learned a lot? And are there things that I can improve upon on the next hunt? Absolutely. But I know for a fact that I gave it all. That's and it. what makes you do that is exactly what you're talking about, is that mm-hmm. drive. I, I think we're, I think people have to allow themselves to have an incredible hunt experience and it still be okay to feel like you're unfinished. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, because look, and I say this all the time, it's just like they say in basketball, man, if the score wasn't important, there wouldn't be a scoreboard. Right. Exactly. If, it wouldn't keep if, score if, if filling a tag wasn't important on a hunt, well, I have a tag. Yeah. Why well, have a yeah. tag, man? You just, yo, if I would have harvested an elk the very first hunt I went with you, I would have not had the drive Built to continue revenue. to grind on for the next three years mm-hmm. to learn and improve upon all my weaknesses to to actually get to accomplish that goal. And that's where we're a little different. I would have. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. 
Our Basecamp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Uh, this was something that struck a nerve in me that if I would have been successful or not, man, I'm coming back. I told Carl Gamage that, look, if it hair lips the governor, son, I will be here every freaking year that I can afford to, and I will do whatever it takes to make sure that happens. It is a competition of my will, right, every year to get better. And, and have my goals changed? Absolutely. I, every time I step in the woods, I feel like I can – punch that tag whether it be with a cow or or a bull and look it's because of the mentors i've had guy you know it's because i've hunted with the with one of the best elk callers in the country that's it's true become who's helped me become a, a good elk caller myself right my my the coolest thing in the world was when i started hunting with chav joe gave me the chav right that's his that's his brother man that's that that's his hunting partner he sacrificed his hunting partner so that i could have another mentor in my life and help me understand how to speak the language the coolest day in my life successful if i it, it, i'd already killed a bull and i'm telling you I, it would have never mattered to me if i'd have killed that bull or not but was the first day I ever called an elk in for another hunter. And that was for, for Leroy Chavez, man. I mean, Leroy Chavez, you know, we call him Chav. He was, he guided me through one of the most grueling freaking hikes we've ever pulled off, man. And then to a coup de grace of having two herds come together and him getting a shot at a really beautiful bull. And uh, at the end of the day, that's a success, right? That's a success for me as a hunter, is a success for Chav. Yes. We, and then it was the, 
um, most unbelievable journey to get down off of that mountain. It was like the mountain never stopped. It was <laughs> mile point at 1.8 miles for five miles straight down, man. Uh, it was horrible getting down off of that mountain after we climbed all the way to the top, tracking that bull. Uh, it was it was a crazy day, but that's a success. So guys are gonna your successes are gonna move as your as your. Uh, your hunting it's a moving target for sure. Yeah, your yeah. hunting experiences, uh, as you experience in your your hunting game, gets better and everything else. Those goals are going to change, you know. Um, I, for Joe, it'll always be one hundred percent punching that tag, right? And for me, I, I kind of I'm getting more and more the feeling of that same way because it's gotten so much easier for me, you know. Guy, you know as well as I do. Once it happens the first time, it gets easier, brother. Yeah, right. you know what's funny with that is, you know, so for me, I'm playing a fool's game, right? In, in anyone's eyes, I, I went out my first season. This is coming up this year will be my fourth year elk hunting. Yeah, and out my first season in Wyoming, arrow to bull. Um, that bull, he he took off on us. Uh, it was a good shot. He ended up, you know, he ended up dying. But by the time we got to that bull, he was stripped down. Somebody found him before me. Sure. Oh, now I've had, I've had opportunities and, but I've set an expectation for myself, right? That bull was a beautiful five okay. and my expectation is nothing below that bull, right? So I've let things go. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Right. And, and last year when, you know, when I was up with my wife and, and we came back and I, I kept wondering, like, was that the right call? Like I could have arrowed a cow. I could have, you know, I had an opportunity. And then when, the, when me and the fellows were there, I had opportunities on rags and I, and I passed, right. Because for me, my expectation of what I want to do and my success was set three years prior and I'm okay with walking away from it. Right. Fantastic, and there's brother, I was yeah. the same way. And there's okay. nothing wrong with, with, you know, having a lofty goal and saying, I want a, a 380 bull as my first bull or, yeah. you know, going after a spike tag. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. As long as you enjoy the hunt. Absolutely. Look it, it, very quickly on my very first hunt with, uh, with, uh, with Joe and, and Beto and Chaff. You know, I realized how difficult it was to actually bow hunt uh, an elk in public land. Mm -hmm. So my expectations completely changed from, hey, I want a trophy bull to I want any elk. Any bull. <laughs> you know, any elk, you know, in general. So, you know, as the conversation started to progress, as we showed up at camp, I was like, I'll shoot anything. Yeah. I'll shoot any elk that, 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 that is out there. But yeah. again, and that's a moving target because mm -hmm. now I understood that, at, you know, any, any elk in a public land with a bow, it was that's an incredible accomplishment. It's a trophy. It's a trophy. Incredible accomplishment. So, and that had been the mentality since then up until now, and it continues to be the case. But again, you know, it depends if you go to a paid hunt in a private ranch where they have different size bulls and different price tags for each one of them. Yeah, that changes, you know, your expectations yeah. are going to be different based on what you paid and how much you want to pay for sure. something like that. Sure. So again, it just depends of what, you know, your expectations are. Yeah, yeah Joe, you guide. Yeah. God, do you glad as well? No. 
Okay, so Joe guides, so he's he's in that realm, and, and myself too. We guide a lot of different hunts, and uh, Joe Joe's in that realm when guys come to a private ranch and they pay X amount of dollars. They have an expectation as well, right? And you know, our job is to put them on a bull of that expectation, right? And uh, and we absolutely hunt in the areas that are target rich environments, right? And uh, you know, Joe gets to hunt on one of the most beautiful ranches in the country, myself as well, right? Uh, they're different style of hunting than what we do on, on uh, do-it-yourself, you know, uh, uh, public land stuff. So it's just different. But every guy that walks into that camp has a measure of success in his mind, you know? And I think as, as guys that are just starting out, the most important thing, and Guy touched on it, is you setting and managing those expectations for yourself and understanding what, Guy said it best, what kind of hunter are you? What kind of hunter are you looking for? Well, you, you know, know, and those, those guys that I take out there, they're, they're, they're no different than Guy, you know, because exactly. you know, they've already said, look, and, and I have no problem with this, man. I Look, I, I don't have the luxury of a lot of selection because I mm -hmm. get two, three, four days that I got to mm -hmm. make it happen so I can go to work and make it happen for everybody else. So yeah. I've got to, I've just got to get something down. But when, when, when you decide that you're going to take that challenge of a mature animal, that, yeah. that's a heck, then it's about the hunt. And that's, <laughs> that's what's so cool is when I have those guys, when I have somebody like guy, like if we were partnered up and guy said, Joe, man, I, it's going to be a five or above, man. It's like, heck yeah, let's hunt. I mean, yeah, we're cool. hunting now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we know what we're doing. Even though it's all a hunt, it, it's even it. He's added another element to it. We're going beyond just hunting. We're going on. We got to hunt for something particular. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you're making you're it that, to, that yeah. much. Yeah. You're you're making the odds that much more difficult. You're really having to go that extra, yeah. you know, step further, man, like that. So for sure, it, it, it drove. It drove Carl Damage and R.C. Knox absolutely bonkers for me to draw back on a raghorn and let him walk at 35 yards. You know, they're like, oh, my God. That's, you yeah. know, we had to put so much work in. And I get where they're coming from. They had to put a crap ton of work for me to get in front of one of those suckers, man. You know, it wasn't like first day deals, three or four days of hauling my fat ass up around that mountain. And look, they, they're like, man, we need this guy to seal the deal or they don't feel like it's been successful and that's when i sat them all down and went fellas y'all don't understand man it, it ain't about just killing any elk i mean i can do that i'm already you know not a problem you know uh it's about <laughs> that i want to you know? yes sir <laughs> joe is shaking his head now you can't yeah not any elk yeah <laughs> i mean couldn't think straight now now for me it's about Joe, for me, it's about killing a elk. I want to eat elk meat. So my whole thing has changed. You know, yeah, I've gotten some really good bulls under my belt. And I could care less if he's 390, 400. Now, listen, y'all give me a round of 390 or 400. He's in serious danger because I am going to go into that mode of going ahead and getting after his tail end. But don't let a cow walk in front of me at 30 yards while I'm doing it because she's going to steal the missile. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all right. I do not believe you. I'm sorry. I'm going to call you out, right? Oh, come on. Oh, oh good. Right First, right time I, First time ever. First time ever. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> has a 390 bull over there, and a cow elk walks out, and he's saying he's going to shoot the cow and, and forget about that. I did it. And, oh, uh, uh, I did it with Carl Gamage in front of me. We had a big six by six coming down the mountain. He's coming. Cow walks out at 30 yards down below me. I smoked that cow. I tell you I, what, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I had a cow. I had a cow elk right in front of me. Oh, guy, you miss, you miss the world. Oh, man. No, I made that happen. Now, listen, I will tell you. Oh. I, I, I drew. On a cow, it, it, when I that morning I killed that big bull, I drew on a cow, yes, okay? sir, and drew on her at 12 yards, at 12 she yards, is dead and, as a hammer, and, okay. And, and I look up, and this bull comes <laughs> strolling in, bugling, <laughs> sound like Tyrannosaurus Rex with this giant rack on his head, <laughs> man. Here he comes waddling in, and yeah, everything I thought about that cow went. I had a moment of uh, for the very first time Joe said you're lying <laughs> <laughs> because he's hearkening back to that story I guarantee you. oh look I had that's the same true. thing I had the that same story, thing happen to me that story is after his story about where he shot the cow and that bull was down the hill right yeah. You know, that bull was still down the hill a little way, and that cow came up. Yeah, he did kill that cow, but this one with Chav, he had a cow at freaking 12 yards, and he backed off and was like, Oh, dude, that bull comes strolling in there like he owned the, owned the whole country, man. I mean, he, he was going to walk in at 70 yards of me, man, broadside and all sullied and got his cows around him, man. He was the straight-up monarch, dude. I mean, what an unbelievable challenge, and I was not going to – Guy, you have a you have a, a bull elk at seventy yards. Nothing in the way. You would do shooting it? it. I'm shooting it. Absolutely. I'm shooting it. Yeah. And and why is that, bud? I'm I I spend a lot of time behind the string. Um, I am confident with my equipment. I'm confident with my ability. Yeah, uh, it's a shot that I know I can take. I'm taking it. Yeah, you know that bull scored three forty something and. 346, I believe. And, you know, it's the largest bull I've ever taken in my life. He might as well have been 366. Uh, he looked all gigantic. And uh, he was a big-bodied, huge-body bull. Uh, and he walked in. And what they're saying is, you know, I did pass on the cow because I had her dead to rights at 12 yards. <laughs> drew the bow. Drew the bow. Was going to kill her. Was going to kill her. Drew the bow. Cow walks in there was 12 yards. I would have loved Yeah. I looked up guy and this giant bull just comes strolling in, bugling his head off. Sound like Tyrannosaurus Rex coming in there. And he kind of stumbled forward and kind of caught his balance. And I knew because I'd ranged the top of that hill that it was at like 71 yards. He was actually right at 70. He stopped and when he stumbled, he turned quarter in just a slight bit. And I'm like, and he's looking at his cows in another direction. And I redraw and, you know, the little red dot meets the other little red dot. Poof, sent the missile. And it, he went 12 feet, brother. 
that was it. Boom, you know. Uh, it was crazy how that Send day. Send the missile. <laughs> yeah, we sent the missile downrange, and it was. All right, guys, man. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody, man, for that was just that was just awesome, man. And and I hope all of our listeners, you heard a lot of viewpoints, and I think if you boil it down, uh, if you could paraphrase, guy, what we just went through, what would you have just pulled from that conversation? It is, and you are what you make it. Good. I mean, in, in a nutshell, right? The yeah. the hunt, the type of hunter you are, uh, the the level of expectation, the goals, all that. You you're in control of 110 percent of it. So you know you wanna you wanna get out of it. You're gonna get out. You know, cliche is all heck, but um, whatever you put in. Yeah, and. One hundred percent. We're here to help those hunters, and we're not lying about what we're telling you. Yeah, we are. We on a social media post? Absolutely. Are do we have a podcast? Sure. But this our podcast is to help you guys. So go listen to the Western Contours podcast, and absolutely go listen to the Elk Bros podcast, and put yourself through the Elk Bros base camp, and it will help you manage those expectations that are coming up, Joe. I, you know, uh, I, you know, you say that and, and I hope that's true because I don't, a lot of, and you know, one thing that we talk about is, is success. And, and that's what, that's what guy is saying. It's a personal experience. And, you know, it's like any team, any team is a reflection of their coach, right? 100%. A reflection of their coach, a coach's personality. Now, everybody on your team has different personalities, different roles, but it's a reflection of that. There's just something that kind of flows through. And, and I hope all of those people, all you guys and gals that are taking our base camp, that, and I'm extremely proud of that, man. I, you should be. You know, should and be. It's the stuff that we want to talk about in there about responsibility and about ethics and, and the, and the way that we cover things to try to make sure that and ensure that you make a responsible kill, that you put that animal down, that you're going to be able to find that animal. But again, this is all a personal experience. And so a lot of that, my, my feelings, my drive, all of that kind of goes in there. And as your coach, understand something. I want you to understand all of the separate levels of goals. I want you to understand all the separate levels of successes. I want you to understand the journey that Guy is talking about and how personal it is to each and every one of us. But for me as a coach, understand that if you take that course, my goal the reason that you are coming and paying for that is for me to try to teach you not only about all of those internal struggles, all about all those mental endurance and all of these different things. But my goal is to get you so you seal the deal so that you punch a tag. And for me to feel successful as a coach, it's not look whenever we took kids to a championship, we never talked about winning a championship. We always talked about competing with the love, competing hard, you know, being driven and enjoying that atmosphere. And that's the same thing that we're telling y'all right now is, and the same thing I'm telling you. And if you do that, if you go out and you work at being driven, if you develop your skill set, just like I would any team in preparing them to give them all the tools to be successful out there then the success will take care of itself 
and and don't ever hide from the fact you hear us say things that that guy's a real killer she's a real killer you know there's sometimes there's people that hunt and there's people that go out and they just kill and we're not meaning that in a negative way at all yeah. you know it is yeah, i think it's semantics joe from yeah, you know kill to harvest to whatever so, right so i, I think I, have, I think it's important for people to understand that for you to understand what kind of hunter you are you're not going to realize that before you start out going out there hunting. It, yeah. it may take Put a few in years in order for you to understand. And you have to make your experience your own. And I agree with you what you're saying. You're going to be a reflection a lot of, you know, where your mentorship comes from. But then make it your own. Yeah, because because at the end of the day is about your experience, about your journey. And it, it was going to take a while for you to really figure out what kind of hunter you are. You get done with our course, if you go out there and you feel great about what happened, then boom right uh, i've scored right there if you inside your heart are fulfilled now you can feel like you're not finished like there's more you want to accomplish there's Ooh. nothing wrong with that but if yeah. you feel good inside like you have had a successful season then i've done my job yeah and if you don't then then try to understand why exactly. and then and then continue to grow on that aspect gotta be honest with yourself yeah. and i'm gonna shameless plug right now right and i'm a shameless plug the base camp so when when joe was coming up with that you know he and i talk and he shot me the the version that was in the works and as i progressed through that and that there is there is so much value. And I'm not saying that I'll say that on any platform. There is so much value in that base camp platform. If you take the time when you walk in the woods and you have that, put the notes in your phone, right? As, as often as we're on the phone, put the notes in there. You will absolutely walk away from the elk woods with the level of success that we're talking about and those expectations and where you set yourself, you can't go wrong with that. And, and man, I, I appreciate going through that, but the way that you guys put it together, is just, is phenomenal. It really is. And you know, Tim Cardova, our guy who led us off this, this evening, he's the one, I mean, he said it himself, man. He feels like he's got bigger armor on him because of what he's gone through. You know, I can't say it enough. You know, you guys prepare Work hard, work hard on your physical fitness. Uh, we all know round is a shape, but you got to get in shape and, you know, put your time in behind the bowstring. You know, guy said, I mean, he puts a credible amount of time behind his bowstring. We and all do. Confidence you know. right there. Yeah. It no. build, build your confidence and then go out in the elk woods, man. And, and like guy said, man, just, you know, he's a, he's a kind of run out, run out there with his hair on fire kind of guy and take what it comes to him, you know? So, uh, I, I'm a lot that way too, man. I, I run, I run through life with my hair on fire at 90 miles an hour and we just kind of try to keep the damage control to a minimum, you know, uh, but it's cool to have this platform be able to talk with guy and gain such a great perspective of what he believes since, I mean, in all, all reality, he's a juvenile elk hunter himself at, you know, four years, you know, going out in the elk woods. So, so cool to get his perspective and the mafia's perspective. Always amazing to have the ninja uh, talk to us about uh, elk hunting for sure. And of course, you know, the mafia is, is gaining more and more uh, notoriety as they, you know, put out stuff even in their own podcast guy. I mean, uh, these guys are such incredible people and incredible 
incredible men and 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 hunters that you know we have such a, a cool diverse elk camp uh and then to be able to have guys like you that you know help us with with uh, other ideas and coming on our show and and uh, helping us with your perspective it's been fantastic oh, we just wanted you with us man we you know it's like it's like being able to invite you in and pull up a chair man i, I mean that's yeah cool. exactly so, oh, did you, you tell them, did you tell the boys how that how that went down when you when you text me and say what are you doing on Wednesday? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I go I go what are you doing next week at six thirty? And he goes I'm sitting in with the elk bros, man. <laughs> That's cool. I was like I was sitting That's there. I'm about. <laughs> so before we get out of here, we got another little deep discussion here, man, in our yeah. elk bros mailbox. So Gilbert, this is from Casey Yeats. I, I think that's how you say it. Yeats from Logan, Utah. Yes. Um, uh, could you read that out for us, man? You, you bet, brother. Uh, Kelsey Yeats from Logan, Utah writes, you guys talk about leaving the animal for at least two hours after a kill shot. I'm a huge animal lover and have always been aware of animal suffering. When I kill a big game animal, my first thought is, is, is he suffering? I want to put him out of his misery as soon as I possibly can so he doesn't have to suffer. My initial thoughts on leaving the animal for two hours is why I allow him to suffer for any longer than they have to. Could you shed some more light on your reasoning behind the two hour rule? Maybe help me feel better about doing it next time I harvest an animal. I agree with you guys 100% on paying your respects after killing an animal. I always thank the animal and this may sound kind of funny, but I pet him and while the animal, I say a few words. I love that you guys preach respecting the animals and that's huge to me. Yeah guy now i'm not sure what i mean you do a lot of hunting now he said something about you being young in the elk was but you are not young to to hunting at all you're kind of like manano there and an incredible archer so you you come across situations where you know as far i'm sorry that he compared you to manano bro (laughs) 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 he didn't mean that i I, trust me he didn't Uh, (laughs) what, what would you have to say to casey there bud I get it. Right. I, I absolutely get it. And it is not a good feeling when that animal, you know, takes off after that shot and you know, you're going to have a blood trail on your hands. Um, but it really is the best case scenario to set back, exude some patience, right. And let that animal expire without jumping that animal, busting them out. I mean, what, what's the worst case scenario? My Wyoming deal, right? I didn't bust that bull after, but he took off. I never found that bull. That bull died. If, if, if someone, you know, wouldn't have done what they did and I didn't find that animal, I just wasted that animal. That's the worst feeling in the world to me. So I would say, you know, settling back and understanding that, yeah, like, just like the elk bros say, right. Uh, midline of the body, three, four behind the crease, let it go. You're going to get that pass through. It, it is a tough animal. Um, it's, it's going to, it's going to drop. It's going to drop. And you got to understand if that shot's a little bit questionable, it's better to set back and know you're going to recover than, you know, cause the suffering, if you will, uh, and lose the animal. 
Yeah, I'd like to even add to that, guy, Casey. You know, we definitely, if you've not watched our podcast on shot placement, I don't know, Casey, if you're a, a rifle hunter or you're a bow hunter. Uh, so I'd like to know that. You can write us back in, let us know if you're a rifle hunter or a gun hunter, because they're two different scenarios. Guns kill with shock and damage uh, from the bullet uh shocking the animal whereas a bow actually kills much more uh routinely and, and much more surgically because we're piercing both lungs and the animal actually just can't breathe any longer and they expire really quick if you watch my animal this year on video he was dead within 13 seconds i mean stone graveyard dead right i've seen animals shot with a 30-06 and they miss one lung they're alive for two hours and if you jump them, you will never find them because they get such a big adrenaline rush yeah. uh, that they, and these elk are such giant athletes that they have huge organs, a heart that's like a basketball or a volleyball and lungs like a number 10 wash tub. I mean, and they on one lung, they can go several miles without stopping. And in the country that they can go in, you can't. You know, so it's really hard. So when we shoot a bull with a bow, my first rule of thumb, and it's with a deer or a bull or anything else, if I know I made a really good shot, I'm still going to wait that time because I know if I, if a lot of times when we see the shot, it's not exactly what we thought. The animals tend to tend to pivot or and as deer drop or whatever. So. What we thought was a really good shot, could, and we hit a rib and it turned the arrow, it could turn into more of a liver shot than it was a lung shot. So it's really important, number one, when you go find your arrow to try to determine what kind of hit we have, right? Do we got a double lung hit? Do we got a heart shot? Is it muscle blood? Is it smell like gut on the arrow? I mean, those things are all determining factors in how long we're going to wait after a kill shot. If we we 10 ring or 12 ring that rascal and we know, you know, bulls, you know, died within sight of us, well yeah, we're not going to wait 2 hours. But when we do our job, you ain't got to wait 2 hours at all cuz you watching him fall in your sight. You know, uh, I, I made uh, the bull I shot two years ago. I made Joe and them wait for 10, 15 minutes and they didn't want to because they saw him go down in less than 10 seconds, you know, but I have jumped these unbelievable athletes, even with two, two lungs popped and they can get up. It, I've, I watched a bull shot five times with a muzzleloader in the shoulder, five times with a 50 caliber muzzleloader. And that bull was not dead when we walked. I've watched him get up all five times. So what we're talking about is leaving the animal an opportunity to pass away peacefully. Peacefully. Yes, and, sir. And, and, and they, if you've ever watched one pass after they've been double longed or right where we tell you to shoot them, it's as peaceful as going to sleep. I mean, they're not bellering and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they just they pass away. It's very peaceful. And uh, the reason why we wait our time, especially if we think it's a marginal shot, is so we don't get them up and create an opportunity for them to escape where we never find them. Yeah. Just because, Sometimes. 
just because you wait uh, and and it's not always two hours again it could be four hours it could be six hours that we depending wait. on the shot that's right Jim. on the shot i mean yeah. on on what you see on that yeah. and so it's not i mean that's kind of gilbert's general rule generally if i see a a, a double lung pass through and i've got i got bubbles in the blood i know half hour yeah. 45 minutes yeah. I can start doing a tracking job on there if my arrows pass through. Um, and in that now if I get some curve back, if I smell paunch on an arrow, yeah. you know, mm. then I've got a little bit of one. Well, I might be waiting now 24 hours for That's that. Right. Because, again, it's like Gilbert said, look, it, the reason you feel the way you do, and that means you're worth your salt because you care yeah. about, and we care about. And we do too. Yeah. People don't understand that relationship, man. But if you were to get to know hunters, they so care about the animals that we're working to preserve and, and to ensure that we have these critters here for our kids and our kids' kids. And That's right. You know, when you respect an animal that much, then sometimes you have to respect them enough to let them lay. Because like Gilbert says, you know, you got to let that animal go peacefully. Whereas if you go in there thinking that, well, I'm going to put that animal down right away so it doesn't suffer, and you jump and you get that adrenaline flowing, now you have just turned that situation from something that you would have found an animal down and harvested it to an animal that's now going to run. It's going to suffer from that running to a point uh, of that adrenaline. It's like a drug in them, and there's a good chance now that you're not even going to recover that animal. So you got to respect the animal and the situation enough to be smart enough to back out and now look if i'm in a hard where i see an animal that is standing that is hanging down there and i get a chance to put a second arrow oh absolutely yes most definitely or if i see an animal that's there and i realize i can stalk in and finish it and put it down sooner heck yes i'm doing there is not a hunter that does not want that but if you're in a situation where you don't see that animal where they're bedded and now they they, they have the drop on you. They're going to see and hear you coming. All you're going to do is make a situation bad when you get worse. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There are some opportunities in which they don't. They might not even know what happened to them. Absolutely. And so they may feel sick and they may Go lay shot. down to kind of try to rest it out. And it's like, what we just went on? What happened? And then. Again, that goes back to that's probably more peaceful than actually the animal then realizing he's being hunted. And then now that adrenaline kicking in, that animal getting up and hurting and running away and being scared of being chased and all that and making it completely worse and you probably not recovering. You know, none of us can understand this unless you've been in the situation. Like Gilbert, I know you've been shot. I've actually had... I've actually had something penetrate my chest before. And uh, interestingly enough, God has given us a gift in that when you have trauma that happens, (laughs) a lot of times you do not even know that it's happened to you. You know, if you couldn't visually see it, you know, you feel a pinch or something like that. And you look down and and gave us a gift of shock, man, when, when you go into shock. Uh, and again, that animal can do that. It can go into shock. It cannot feel what it, what's happening. It can die peacefully unless you jump that booger and you get that adrenaline going. And 
You know, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about with this because, you know, we talked earlier about how we don't put stuff on uh, our social media or things like that. And here's one thing that I, I might be going down a rabbit hole. I might be shaking up a can of worms, but look, almost every animal in nature, unless it's taken by a hunter's weapon, hit by a car, hit by lightning, just about every animal out there is going to die a brutal death. And, and I, 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 I'm not trying to scare or anything like that. I'm trying to give you a fact because animals out there are killed by predators or they die from disease or starvation. Yeah. They're going to die, yeah. right? And it's going to be, most of them are going to die from a predator. Yeah, and they're and, eating alive. And, and mm -hmm. uh, except for a cougar, you know, cat, cats are pretty efficient. You mm -hmm. know, they're pretty doggone efficient, but they can do it as well. I mean, you watch lions and how they do it. Mm -hmm. When an animal is not efficient in a kill, and most predators with large mammals are not efficient. Right. And what that means is, is they're going to get them. They're going to, they're going to hamper that animal, and they are going to eat that animal alive. They're going to start from one end. But they're going to start from the non-business end where they're not yeah. able to get hurt, and they're going to, uh, they're going to brutally Devour. You know, take that animal down, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, nature is not easy. It is not kind. And nature. Yeah, and when we That's talk right, about man. us and being part of that formula, hunters are the most ethical. responsible, ethical killers out there. Of all of the predators, we are, you know, we are a predator, man. That's uh, we're we're part of that scheme, and mm -hmm. I I just want, you know, I always people I hear people they talk about bears and you know uh, the mm. cute and cuddly, but if you have ever seen <laughs> what mm. a bear does to a elk <laughs> or to a to a, a, a doe deer or you know I have watched a bobcat, I have watched a Absolutely. bobcat jump on a deer get on that neck and stay with that booger suffocating and, for an hour or as long as it can till it puts it down, you know, yeah. and, and gets it in a position where it can, it can feed because these, it's about survival, man. It's about survival. So, yeah. you know, uh, I, I'm not trying to throw anything out there to, to disturb anybody. I just want, I want facts out there, man. I, I want yeah. facts. And, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, Joe, I grew up on a farm. So everything we yeah. grow, grew or we raised, we ate, you yeah. know, and everything you, you guys in y'all's plushy Lexus cars that got plenty of that leather up under your ass. Well, guess what? A lot of cows had to die for that. Right. And they weren't they weren't ethically taken. They were hammered in the head with a daggum, uh, you know, big shiv that punches them in the head. And that's how they die. You know, and then they're skinned and all but, their skins. used. But so, it is a quick death. So it, no, no doubt. But it, cows that live on the range that are that are beef cattle, when you get a cougar come out, guess what? They, they or or coyotes or wolves or anything like that. Those cows die brutal deaths before we can keep them safe. You know, so what we do in the woods as conservationists and as uh, officers of the land, man, we try to do our level-headed best to get those animals to expire as quickly as we can via gun or via bow uh i've seen a lot of wounded i i, I got a lot just like joe i've seen a lot of wounded animals with a gun 
And the guys I hunt with, this crew right here, these guys are absolute assassins with a bow, and they will put animals down very quickly. And uh, I think we, yeah, and I think we've proven that. Our podcast, you know, I I, I saw one thing one time. My daughter shot her first bull, and uh, again, uh, you know, this going back to what she asked why wait. We waited in almost 45 minutes and she made a great shot on the bull. It was a little low, but the bull was still alive after 45 minutes. And when he stood up, she sent another arrow at him. And where she hit him lit me up like the 4th of July. And I try to shoot bulls. And, and just what we we talk about, it's part of our, our, uh, our podcast to go and look at uh, where we talk about our shot placement, man. Uh, that bull died in less than... 15 seconds when she shot him the second time and i was like oh my god you know i couldn't believe it blood flew out i mean it was it was amazing how fast the elk expired it had nothing to do with the first shot it had everything to do with the second shot you know so that she got one long and part of a, a big artery uh and the bull was sick but it could still really go and when he stood up he just he didn't he was in shock joe we got lucky he didn't run you know, so and she was able to put another forty-yard shot on him and put him down. So, and guy, uh, I, I I know you're on here on on this podcast where I just expressed, you know, I I stood on my pulpit there a little yeah. bit, and and I don't represent you, so you know, I I don't want you to feel like what I say is something that you know if. If you have any feelings on that, you know, feel free on that. Buddy. Yeah. No, I, you know, Joe, you know me, man. I'm, I'm not quiet. Uh, if I feel like I don't need to be, I, you know, okay. I agree with what you guys are saying. And Gil just said something there, you know, and, and this kind of goes back to that question. Um, and, and us talking about um, shot placement and equipment, you know, the, the best way that she can ensure that she's not in that situation is worry about those aspects of it. Uh, I mean, we're hunters, right? And it's yeah. the unfortunate truth that I don't care how much I shoot my bow. I don't care how much any of us shoot our weapons. We're going to have that situation, right? Oh, and, and we do everything we can in our power to alleviate and I'll eliminate those, Yeah, you know, but, but you have to, she has to know that if you're out out in the woods or if you're in that blind um whatever your scenario is you know you're gonna have to expect the unfortunate uh to happen so make sure you stay after it with that weapon to ensure it and, you know talk and, shop and be prepared yeah. understand you know understand your shop progressions and what your blood trail looks like from a dark red muscle blood type thing to real grainy stuff on your arrow or on the ground that's usually a liver which tells you how much longer you need to wait before you go and pursue your animal and find him where he's expired yeah, yeah show that, enough respect where you don't go ah uh, it'll be okay because yeah. i'm telling you what man if you have an arrow that passes through an animal I don't care where it passes through. If you pass through that guts, that, that animal is going to go at a certain yeah. point. So yeah. you, you owe it to the animal to do your yes, it's all part. trying to yeah. find that animal, hunt that animal, recover that animal. So, um, you know, and, and, and Joe, Joe, this year you had a hunt or was it last year? Last year you had a hunt and you guys stayed on a bull for how long? Three, Three days. days? took me three days and you know but uh, you know it was bittersweet yeah and and here's a here's a great example y'all i mean a yeah. perfect example i thought so. my hunter at 40 yards bull quartering away 
quartering away slightly, puts it in the pocket. And it took me three days to find that animal. And he, and this hunter started doubting himself, thought that he had made a bad shot, said he should never be hunting. I mean, did all those things that we do as responsible <laughs> people beating yeah. ourselves up, right? right? And and I stayed on that animal for three days, found it at three days later. The bittersweet part was the meat was no longer any good. But one thing that did happen was he got to see where he hit that animal and he hit it right where he aimed it. But somehow that thing hit a rib or something, turned the arrow and went out through, missed the other lung and went out through the guts about eight inches back on the other side. How that happened? Oh my gosh, I couldn't tell you. There's no way I could tell you other than flexibility of carbon and different things on entry could happen, man. I I don't know, but... I was having that exact same conversation with Manano this past weekend. Every shot is a whole different world. And, And I had the complete opposite happen this weekend. I shot at a hog. And when I looked at the shot and I looked at the video, I was like, man, I'm high and behind. And I don't like the way, you know, where that, that arrow went in. I just don't like it. So I went down and I looked at the arrow, man, the arrow had gray blood. It had some bubbles in the fletchings and it didn't smell like gut. So I'm like, man, that looks like good blood. It looks like it's a good shot. So I, I was like, based on the arrow, I decided to go and wait an hour and a half. So I waited an hour and a half and then I went and looked for that started tracking the hog and man, that hog was 60 yards from where I shot it laying cold dead. And then I started looking at the video over and over again. I started looking at the exit wound. it turns out that hog, when he heard the shot, he kind of ducked and spin in a direction that actually went in your favor, you know, it, it went in my favor yeah. and actually, you know, got the lung on the other side and mm-hmm. that's what kind of expired. But again, I mean, it's just, Every shot is a complete different world. That, that's, that's why, you know, and it all comes down to case. It all comes down to, we Each try case. to do our best. Shot placement. Animal, man. Yeah. Shot and, placement. In, in all it. parts. And I mean, from our, our diligence of preparing ourselves and in taking the right type of shot, trying to not take a marginal shot, but you can do everything right and have things go wrong. So in mm. that case, there's sometimes you got to make tough decisions and, and, and I know that um, uh, just from what I can see, you're on the right track, and uh, I hope this helped you. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Absolutely fantastic question. Guys, you know, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. you got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Guy, we really want to thank you for joining us at Elk Camp tonight, brother. It's been a true honor to have you on our podcast, brother. I appreciate you guys. Uh, everything you're doing, I appreciate the time. And this is like a kid in a candy store for me. I'm going to buddy. <laughs> I actually got to say, it looks good with six of us up there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Pretty so solid. Let me ask you, Guy, because we're going to, you know, whether or not we do more of this or whether or not our guests want to do this, you know, it, it, it wasn't all dependent on you having to be 
the person given all the information the whole time. How, how did you feel about the format? But I love it, man. I, you know, and I've told you before, I love what you, what you guys do, man. I, I like, you know, I remember there was a question about the shout outs, right. Yeah. Um, a while back. And I, I love everything about the show, man. It, you know, that, that first call it 20 minutes of the, of the episodes is uh, phenomenal for me, man, the laughs in it. Uh, and then just learning, learning about, you know, Norfolk, Virginia and, and all these little, you know, little podunk USA. Yeah. You know what? Let me, let me, I had this actually, if I, if it's okay, but so this is one of the things I found out about my city that, uh, in 1993 and Joe, you can cut this out if you don't want to use it, that it, uh, <laughs> the middle-class city of 76,000 became identified it with rampant promiscuity and familial dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> leave, Joe, it to, uh, leave it to God. <laughs> ain't no, I no right. God, Joe. <laughs> I didn't want to open with that, but I had to get it in there. Hey, God, Joe. Joe, that's oh, got to gotta, gotta, gotta stay, man. Oh, yeah. You see how quickly he turns red? Yeah, he's red as like a tomato. <laughs> I'm naturally red, man. It's just how I roll, man. That's, that's straight, that is no, straight Joe, up. I, so, I, I love what you guys are doing, man. I love the platform. Um, you know, it, 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 it's it's a service part of it, right? And yeah, there's an aspect where there's some back end, um, but this is free stuff. This is free yeah. information, man. Just out there in the universe wow. for people to absorb and grow upon, man. There's there's there can be nothing wrong with that in my eyes. God, we we can't thank you enough again, man. I know, uh, Chad, you got something to say say uh, as we part ways here. No, just uh, thank you for being with us. You know, you added a lot. And, uh, Hope it was added value, sir. Uh, <laughs> was, and, and I'm sure you're, you'll probably be invited anytime you want to. I'm sure. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on whenever you guys want me on. I appreciate it. Because I'm going to quote the Bible. It says, <laughs> take your bow and your quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild mate for me. Genesis 27.3. I love that, Manano. Genesis 27.3. 27.3, yeah. That's so awesome, man. Way to close out the show. With the Venezuelan mafia in the house, no doubt. Guy, we sure appreciate it, man. Like we say here in Texas, fellas. <laughs> men, y'all kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad heads short and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, boys. Peace, peace. I always wanted to say it. I got it. Peace. And for all our grinders out there. Oh, yeah. From our brother, Tony Wintrip, to close out the show, man. Later. I saw my grandpa by the griddle. Good old cast iron pan.
that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv watch waypoint tv's great outdoors month celebration presented by battery tender every tuesday in june from 7 to 11 p.m eastern join us for land management tips family hunts and conservation centric films as we show our appreciation for the great outdoors